skill up to scale out and then execute like a madman. Just and don't and don't be afraid. You're gonna get you're gonna get some no's. You get you gotta be resilient. You go, you get you just gotta build that you gotta become calloused in a sense to the point to where someone saying no, I'm just one step closer to my yes. You are tuned in to Multifamily Mondays, the informal podcast designed to simplify and help others succeed at apartment investing. With that being said, let's dive in. Welcome back to Multifamily Mondays. As you know, I'm your host, Roderick Jones, and I'm excited that you're back in your seat, ready to learn, ready to go, ready to up your multifamily investing game. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. But before we dive into that very special guest, let's hear from today's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by A Party Fund. A Party Fund is a boutique capital advisory firm that specializes in providing debt and equity for all of your multifamily deals. They do everything in their power to help you find the right funding for your project. With their experience, expertise, and passion, they are the perfect partner for you in the multifamily space. So if you need money for your multifamily deals, visit www.apartyfund.com. That's A-P-A-R-T-I-F-U-N-D.com. Or you can give them a call at 770-421-5160. On today's episode, we have a very special guest. Let me tell you a little bit about this guest. This guest has over 17 years of experience working in many facets of the real estate industry. He is the managing member of Inman Equities and Equus Residential with offices in Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta, Georgia, and West Palm Beach, Florida. Through various partnerships, he has acquired assets with 200 plus units per acquisition and 3,000 unit portfolios throughout the Southeast. This investor grew his portfolio from zero to 140 million in 18 months after leaving a very big investment firm. Today on the show, we have Mr. Benjamin Inman. Welcome to the show. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. Awesome, glad to have you on. Glad to have you on. You 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 have a uh, a track record that is very phenomenal and off the charts. Over <laughs> 140 million. That is right. And and first off, I'd, I'd like to say uh, I appreciate the introduction on calling me big. Um, I. I I definitely don't see myself that way yet, but you know, uh, I guess perception is reality, right? So at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we're not where we want to be, um, which keeps us driving forward and, you know, keeps us, keeps us pretty active in the market. So that's a, that's a great thing. So yeah. Um, you know, as of today, we're at 140 million, uh, in assets acquired since January of 18. Um, wow. and that's just over 1800 units. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, so uh, the, we want to know a little bit more about your story, your personal background, how you got started in investing, and what made you get started in in investing in multifamily and real estate. Period. Yeah. So, 
you know, happy to share that. So my family's, you know, been involved in real estate in the past and, you know, there's some, there are some gaps there. And then, um, then I kind of picked up that baton, if you will, and, and was really just hungry to get involved in, in real estate in any way that I could, in any way that I could. And so my dad, um, was really good at architecture and I picked up on a lot of things from him. So I was so eager to get into it that I, I really tell people I started from the ground up. And what I mean by that is, you know, I started doing uh, landscape architecture and I started a little landscape company just to get myself surrounded by the right people and, you know, did very well with that. And that, you know, led landed me in a position with a large developer based down in Miami where I was overseeing all of his multifamily um, landscape projects, uh, which is just crazy in itself. Uh, and it just so happened that, you know, that was a 300 employee company and landscaping was his favorite project. And so mm -hmm. he and I, you know, developed a really strong relationship, um, you know, because of that and, you know, still to this day have a really strong relationship. So he really became my first mentor. Um, and he had probably 6,000 units or so. And uh, there's two parts to what he did. He he acquired multifamily for his own personal holdings. And then we were doing condo conversions back in that day um, and, you know, did really well. So that would kind of cut my teeth because in the middle of that, you know, we had project managers that would oversee a lot of the, the renovations and stuff like that. So I was always popping in and checking on things and just learning and growing and, you know, talking to the vendors and everything like that. Just really every opportunity that presented itself uh, for me to educate myself on, I would certainly take advantage of that. So, you know, that did me pretty well. And then, you know, from there, uh, the economy went down in 05, or I'm sorry, 08. And they, you know, kept me on board for about another year after that. And then mm -hmm. once that ride was over, uh, I left and uh, went to work for Margus and Millichap as an analyst uh, for a short period. And then, you know, the brokerage thing just was never cut out for me because I always had, you know, something bigger in mind from the standpoint of wanting to build out, uh, you know, more of legacy wealth, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and I know that, you know, investment multifamily real estate is the side that I actually wanted to end up on as an owner operator. And so when that ride uh, or actually I would actually say during that ride, I was introduced to a, a guy named Grant Cardone, which, you know, many people know. Um, was offered a position to come pretty much run his real estate company down in Miami. So wow. ended, up, ended up relocating back down there, uh, went to work for Grant. It was a great ride. Um, you know, there, there was a, a lot that, that we happened that we did. I mean, at the point his, uh, holding portfolio was right around 300 million. Uh, and we took that to 550 million in, in about a 12 month period. Wow. Um, and at that point, I was just like, Grant was a great guy. I have nothing bad to say about him, of course. I mean, he, he, I will say this about him. He eats, breathes, and sleeps everything that he teaches on social media. You got, you got to respect that. Mm -hmm. um, but I just got to the point where, you know, in all honesty and no offense to Grant, I was like, man, this guy's no smarter than I am. If, if, if he can do this, I can do this. Right. Mm -hmm. and so, mm -hmm. you know, all that time, and, you know, in the midst of all the, the, you know, those different positions that I mentioned, you know, I was reading every every book I can get my hands on that had to do with real estate. I was out networking. I was out building up a database of investors and, you know, potential partners and, you know, people like that. And so, you know, when I launched out on my own, 
I didn't do it blindly. You know, there had mm-hmm. a, a bunch of behind the scenes um, buildup that got me to that position so that when I actually launched out, you know, it wasn't it. It was starting like fresh, but it wasn't completely starting from fresh. Right. Because right. Uh, I just, you know, had that that whole thing in the back of my mind that I've, I've got to accumulate my own portfolio. And then once I launched out, um, you know, when you when you start acquiring these deals on your own, you know, your track record starts over because unfortunately, a lot of lenders or actually I'd say most all lenders and equity partners, no one wants to take a chance on someone doing their first deal. They mm-hmm. want to do the track record you've done on your own. So that was something that you had to really fight through. Yeah. Um, and my way around that was was to you know partner up with someone that had the net worth, that had the experience and the track record that can come in and sign on those loans, and we kind of you know join together and we raise capital and we close on deals. Right. And let, that's- let me let's let me stop you right here. Yeah. Listen, guys. He said if you know he had to start over with this track record and have something for himself in order for him to find deals. And take deals down. If he didn't have the track record, he went and partnered with somebody who did have the track record, who did have the net worth, who did have the liquidity to put the deal together. So that way, both parties can benefit. I know a lot of people want to get started in multifamily investing, but they don't know where to start. And if you find the right opportunities and you can bring it to the right players and get the right people on board, then you can make sure that you can. That's that's a way to get your foot in the door to start investing in properties. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, and even since I started that, I'd always wondered once I get to the position to where I can acquire these deals on my own and I can sign on these loans by my own, uh, do I want to? And my answer is, I don't think I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I can acquire a lot more deals with partners than I can on my own. Right. And so mm-hmm. every deal that we do, I put, you know, our, our family capital to work because we've got money to put to work as well. Um, but it didn't start off that way. I mean, you, you see all these no money down deals and these things that people on social media are teaching people, things that they haven't even done themselves. Right. You know, I, re- I remember a point in time when the Carlton Sheets No Money Down program was prevalent back in the, I want to say it was in the early 90s, if I remember correctly. I remember sitting in a hotel room in Panama City Beach with my friends, and they were making fun of me because I was writing down this 800 number. Um, and they were just, oh, you just, writing down this get rich quick scheme and things like that. And yeah. but I read that, I read that course and you know and I always wondered though, is this possible? Is this possible? And I will tell you, I did my first 50 unit deal in Georgia uh and I put zero money into it. It was literally a no money down deal. Now it's got to be somebody's money, but it don't have to be your money. Right. And so we yeah. were we were able to raise a hundred percent of the capital to acquire that deal with simply because I had no choice. It was either right. I make it work or I don't get my first deal done. And so it worked. And, you know, every deal that we do now, you know, we definitely put our own capital into it. But look, it's real. And if that's where I had to start, you know, anybody else can start there. It just takes a lot of networking, meeting with a lot of people. But you got to be prepared before you get to that point. And I think Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people out there that are trying to build up a network, but they don't even have the expertise and knowing how to even underwrite a deal and, and, and the language and lingo that goes into, you know, underwriting deals and, and presenting them to, to not only lenders, but also equity partners. 
Mm-hmm. You know, some people, I, I, I get these, you know, calls all the time and I see people posting stuff on LinkedIn. I'm, and I, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of, you know, these uh, real estate investment groups online and stuff. And I just see mm-hmm. a lot of questions that people, you know, throw out there. And I'm like, man, these guys have a lot to learn, but I, I, I can't like reach out to everybody and just give them free advice. Right. Because right. at the end of the day, I've got a lot going on, but, but I look, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do a series of videos just kind of, taking some of these questions that I see and just really, you know, just taking it on, you know, full force myself just to answer a lot of these questions. But, you know, it's just some of the things that we have in the work behind the scenes, just more of a give giving back just because mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of people out there that are in the same position that I was in, but they're afraid to take that first step, you know, and mm-hmm. I just, I just did a post on, on social media that, you know, the day I resigned from, Cardone Capital is the day I became a multimillionaire. And the reality of that is it, it took me, you know, 12 months to build that out. Mm-hmm. But the moment I made that decision is the moment that that became a reality. I just didn't, it just took, it just took 12 months to actually get the money in my hand. You yeah. know, the, the first million, because that's obviously the hardest, the hardest first million is always the hardest to get. Mm-hmm. Everything thereafter it was just a quick snowball effect to the point to where in 18 months after I left Cardone, after I left Cardone Capital in 18 months, my net worth went from 25,000 to 5 million. That's a 20,000% growth. And I don't think, and I don't, I don't walk around thinking about that every day because I'd probably get complacent if I did. So I always go with, you know, one thing I always learned from, from Grant, and I think Damon John's book that he came out with uh, last year even had something to, to do with the same concept, was, which is basically the power of broke, where mm-hmm. it's, you, know, you just set money aside and you forget about it and you keep grinding as if you're still hungry. And I think that's one thing that just keeps driving people, it's like, like myself and you know, Grant's the same way in that respect to where it, once, you, once you get to a certain point, Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't focus on what you have. you got to focus on where you want to go. And I think that there are several people out there that once they achieve, you know, X amount of dollars in, in real estate holdings, they, they, they think it's enough. And like, for me, it's like, man, I want to, I want to set my kids up so they don't mm-hmm. have to worry about going through the things that I went through uh, to get to where we are today. And, and we're not done yet. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're still, we're still hustling yeah. uh, over here on this end, but you know, so, so let's, you said a lot here. You said a lot. Let's go back and let's try to dissect some of the things that you said. Okay. So take us back to your first deal. You said it was a 50 unit property. Yep. You went out and you raised the capital to do it. Walk mm-hmm. us through the steps of your first deal and how you got it over the finish line. Because I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast, some of them haven't done a deal yet or some of them are still, you know, most of them are still looking to do their first deal or they're still on the fence about it, about not having money, about going to raise money from others, about asking people for money to invest in real estate. It kind of makes people nervous to do. So can you walk us through your first deal and how you got it to the finish line? Yeah, sure. So yeah, your first deal, you're going to be nervous. You're going to be unsure. You just got to do it anyway, right? At the end of the day, it's about execution. It's not about you know, the, the next guy at the table trying to get the same deal being smarter or more funded than you, you got to, it's a sales job. You got to sell the broker on you and why you and your group is the best choice, um, to, to select 
to award the deal to. So, you know, when you're starting out, I mean, you got there's a, there's a few things that you got to be prepared for. Number one, you got to focus on building out the relationships with the brokers in the markets that you're interested in and in, uh, in entering, whether it's in your backyard or whether it's a market away from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to sell them on why you're the best choice, and then while you're doing that, you also have to prepare. At least this is the way I do it. I prepare on the back side of that, kind of running in tandem. I focus on finding the right equity partners. But going back to something I said a minute ago is, you know, I didn't have the net worth to sign on on the loan on a deal like that. So I had to leverage a partner's track record in order to acquire that first deal. Right. And Mm -hmm. and I have to do, you know, three deals with this uh, with this person uh, already uh, in the Atlanta MSA in particular. And Mm so when we acquired that first deal, got awarded it. And obviously at that point, you're like, oh, crap, now what? Right. But yeah. every everything that you've prepared for led up to that moment. And it's not that I didn't know what to do. It's just it was new territory for me because I was building out uh, my own portfolio, stepping out of my comfort zone. Now I didn't have the safety net of uh, a, a bigger investor that I was employed by in the past to fall back on. Right. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fight or flight. So you make it work or you you lick your wounds and, and hope to recover from it. So fortunately for us, we're able to make it work because with that partner, not only were, was he able to sign on the loan, but he also came with a, a database of investors. Wow. So, you know, he was able to sign on the loan, you know, which, you know, that solved that box, right? So the mm-hmm. next box is putting the, the right equity partners in place and starting to raise the capital. So we both shared that responsibility. Um, and then obviously put in a lot of, a lot of work on my end with underwriting and going to tour the deal and, you know, things like that. So I put a lot of, mm-hmm. of equity into the deal. Um, and I was accustomed to, you know, doing this for other investors where we would raise 90% of the equity and then put in, you know, 10% of our own equity. And so mm-hmm. in this particular deal, that's what I was prepared for. This partner said, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to raise a hundred percent of the equity in this deal. This, he said, that's how we do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, game on, let's go. And we did it. <laughs> and wow. it, was, it was a lot of work from beginning to end, but you know what? It goes back to having that vision that I ha- I've had for years and years and years. I wanted my own portfolio. I had a vision for acquiring. So in 18, I had a, I said, I set a goal at the beginning, at the beginning of 18 that I wanted to acquire a hundred million dollars in real estate in 2018. Wow. And we did it. We hit $103 million in 18. It was crazy. But I had that, I had that goal. I had the hunger, I had the drive and I still have it. And so that's kind of, I just had that, that carrot dangling in my face. And so that caused me to just really just hustle and grind. And there's a lot of nights where you just you stay up all night. You stay up on the phone with investors. You run through the deal. You run through the numbers. And mm-hmm. we did it. And we closed the deal. And I was like, wow, okay. Now I have a track record on my own, official, yeah. right? And so we were able to close on that deal. And we immediately locked up a 76-unit deal. And we did the same thing on that one. And we, we, we raised 100% of the capital on that deal. And then the third deal. We raised a hundred. I think I ended up putting like maybe fifteen thousand on that one or something. But mm-hmm. you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of money when you know when you're raising 
you know, a million and a half dollars for, you know, a deal that size. Yeah. Um, but then I look back and like, shoot, now I've got three properties and then just bam, 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 bam. Just kept dominoing and going and going and going and just, you know, it started like one, finding one, trying to get the track record and then you found one and then it was just like, okay, here's the next one and here's the next one and here's the next one. And then it's just, you know. It is. And you treat and you, and, and one of the ways that I've always looked at it is I acquire a deal and I put it on the shelf, acquire a deal and you put it on the shelf. And so basically what it's caused me to do is every deal I get awarded, it's almost like my first deal all over again. Mm-hmm. I've got to, I've got to get it done because the last thing you want to do is tie up a deal and not take it down. Um, because that's the quickest way to ruin your reputation in the market. And so, but once you build up that reputation with those brokers and you become known as a closer, then guess what? They start sending you off market deals that are yeah. real market deals. I mean, I've, I've got, uh, two deals on my, on my, in my pipeline right now. One that we, one that we just recently closed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last year we ended up doing like nine off market deals. We're actually closing on an off-market deal today as we speak. The money, the money is being wired on a $15.5 million property in Knoxville. It's wow. 214 units. And that's literally going on as we speak. Um, that is crazy. Congratulations dude, on that. That is crazy. This it is, is crazy. I, I appreciate that. But I still look at each each deal. It's like it's like a new family member being, you know, being welcomed in, right? It's like you're adopting a kid or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like every new deal, I get excited all over again. I want to do it again. And then once yeah. you make it to a certain point, you know, you can you can look at it two ways. You, now it's it becomes a game. So now you want to, you know, success begets success, right? So you the more you accomplish, the more you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see a lot of these guys that are worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. They keep driving because it's 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 fun to them at that point. They're not trying to gain any more net worth because I mean, well, I guess they are, right? Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. not like they're they're starving for it. They're they're just building just to build because that's just part of who they are now. And yeah. whereas me, it's like it was a it was it was in, in the situation. Look, I had a wife at home. I had a a, a, a my daughter at the time was two, and then mm-hmm. wife and I were pregnant with our with. with my son, which he's, he's a year and a half old now, but at the time you had a full plate. (laughs) Yeah, we did still do. Yeah. So, you know, the wife at home and, 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 and one kid and one kid on the way and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're like, crap, Mm -hmm. this has to work. I've got to make this happen. Right. So at the end of the day, we did it, man. And we're still doing it. And, you know, I say that with all humility, um, because look, this stuff is like a vapor, right? It could all be taken away. But yeah. at, the end, at the end of the day, it's like, man, you just got to stay focused. You got to stay humble. You got to stay hungry and you got to want to give back. And that's why, you know, when people reach out to me and, you know, ask to be on their podcast or, or mm-hmm. being interviewed on, on whatever, you know, show it is, I do it because I want to encourage people to take that step. Just don't put it off any longer. Whatever it is that you've, wanted to do, whether it's real estate or whether it's something else, just make that decision because it could very well be a decision that changes the course of your life forever because it's changed ours. Wow. This, you are the walking, breathing, living example of what happens when you decide 
And what happens when you have a goal and you know that you want to reach that goal and you and you just do whatever it takes to get it done? Like you are that you are the example that other people can follow because it's just like, you know, people, you know, we see a lot of people who already made it and has been in it for a while. But mm -hmm. for you to, you know, be in it for the time that you're in it, for the period that you've been in it up until this point and to have the track record go from literally zero to 140 is, mm -hmm. you know, like if nobody, if people say they can't do it, it's a lie because you oh, yeah. are an example of what happens when you really want to do something and you decide to do it. And 100%. You and I appreciate that because it's true. It really is true. It's like, and you, look, you hear people say, oh, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. and look, I, I think that's overused, right? Yeah. And I, I'm keeping myself from saying the same thing, but, but it really is true. Because um, look, it, I did my first deal and look, it had nothing to do with, with, you know, having a silver spoon in my mouth or anything like that. So it's not like I had any, any type of, of privilege going into it. It's just, I developed the relationships with the right potential partners. And so when that first deal was awarded, I had a database of potential partners that could come in and sign on this loan. They could help raise the equity and, and I'm still doing the same thing today. I mean, every deal that we have in the pipeline now, it's like, you know, I've got partners that, that want to do these deals and they have investors and I have investors and we go into the deals and we, you know, share the responsibility jointly. Um, and it just takes time. It didn't happen overnight. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, in 18 months, you can argue that, you know, that's almost overnight. But at the same time, it's like you got to start somewhere. Right? right. And and for me, it's like you just you just got to start moving. And I think there's so many people that have so much stuff on their plate and they think they can't do it. And they see all this just just all this noise around them. Because, look, there's there's a lot of people on social media, right, that, you know, give their opinions. And this is how you do this. This is how you do that. And some mm -hmm. of them may or may not have, you know, a good enough track record. But look, at the end of the day, they're doing it right. And yeah. so. You know, I can give advice, I feel like, because I've, I've been where most people are. Most people are starting from almost zero, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas some people get started, they got a little bit of capital from, from mom or dad or, or whoever. And for me, it's like, I didn't have that. Yeah, I had, I, had to, I had to grind it out from day one. I'm still grinding it out. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Um. A lot of people, you know, it's a lot of chatter about hot markets and the market condition and we're almost at the peak and all of that. And you're in a in a Atlanta and a lot of people say it's not a lot of deals to be found in Atlanta. However, you've done deals here and you continue to do deals here. So mm -hmm. how do you one sell yourself to the broker to let them know that you can you can produce if you've never produced before? How do you sell them Two, um and then once you sell them, how do you uh, how do you how do you come through on that? Like because we're seeing a lot of prices that's high. Right. And right. you come in at your price and you say, hey, this is my price. This is why this is my price. How do you maneuver through the maneuver through that whole broker process of selling a broker with the prices and what you feel is the right price, what they feel is the right price and and getting a deal to the finish line? Yeah. So, you know, it's a good question because at the end of the day, a broker is in, in the position to get the highest price possible, right? That, and pushing people to, to 
to pay as much as they really will. And so mm-hmm. for us, it's, it's a function of d- the debt markets, right? So you got to monitor the debt markets constantly to know where the rates are at any point in time. Cause most of the deals that we do, we, you know, take straight agency. So we get either get a Fannie or Freddie loan on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on where it pencils there with the rates and you know, things like that. So we, we monitor that. We monitor the insurance space because there's been a, a big shakeup in the insurance industry, especially in the state of Georgia, um, you know, here in the past few weeks. And we found that out because we were in the process of closing a deal. And then we realized that our insurance rates were almost doubling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in and, and a, and a <laughs> insurance number doubling on a small deal, that's a big impact. And so yeah. we had to extend the closing on this particular deal out by like a week just to kind of help get those numbers back normalized, which was a, a, a feat in itself. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like you just got to know where certain numbers are, not only in the in the capital market side of things, but but insurance and then your property management cost and you know your payroll cost and your R&M costs and, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you arrive at a price, I mean, once you make it to the and I'll say this. Let me let me let me start by saying this. Number one, when you're starting out, you got to build that relationship, right? You got to build that circle of trust, and ideally, the partner that you bring in to help sign on the loan with you and help get awarded the deal, hopefully, they have the track record to where you can you can lever off that and say, look, the partner that's doing this deal with us, this is who it is, and you have transacted with this person in the past, or they have transacted with your group in a different market in the past, mm-hmm. and you, you can leverage off of that um, track record to hopefully get awarded this deal. So I try to find every angle I can to make myself um, shine better than the next guy that's at the table, yeah. the next girl, whoever it is. Um, so for us, you know, once we get into a position and you start closing on these deals. Now I have a reputation in the marketplace as a closer. And so whether my number is the highest number at the table or not, when it comes down to the seller leaning on the broker, like, well, you know, what do you know about this, about this guy or this group or, or whatever that's, that's, you know, has this price at the table. And they say, well, well, this guy over here, he's slightly higher, but we haven't transacted with him before. And then they say, well, this guy over here, you know, talking about us, mm-hmm. um, we have transacted with, and they've transacted with with us on four or five deals, and they close. It's always a smooth transaction. The deal gets the deal swings in our direction because of that, because the seller wants the surety of close as much as they want purchase price, and mm-hmm. sometimes they'll actually take, you know, less than highest purchase price because they are more interested in the surety of close, just because they're out looking for their ten thirty one exchange property. Uh, if, if they're smart, right? Because they don't, yeah. they don't want to get hit with the taxes. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, it, it is a tight market right now, and but there are still deals out there. And you know, going back to something I said a minute ago, that you know, the more deals you close with the broker um, or with a particular shop, um, they'll start sending you off-market deals that are just crazy good deals. I mean, look, I, I, we just closed on one. Uh, the one we're closing on right now as we speak, it, it's up in Knoxville, which we already have 400, 457 units up there. And we're adding this 214 unit property to that to that portfolio. But yeah. this the property we're closing today, it, it's 11 percent cash on cash. Um, wow. Yeah, it, that was that's an off market deal. 
the deal we just closed in Georgia uh, two weeks ago, that's mm -hmm. a 12% cash on cash year one. Those deals are still out there. And it takes building those relationships. And I'll tell you something even more interesting about this particular deal. It was a hundred unit, a hundred unit property. Mm -hmm. um, we got Which, awarded the deal. This at, is the deal in um, Atlanta. I mean, in Georgia. Correct. Yeah. Okay. This one just closed like two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, we got that deal awarded to us. The seller was, you know, local mom and pop owner. You know, wasn't I'd say you know they they're you know, not very sophisticated, not being, not a big group, mm -hmm. um, happened to buy it at a, at a good number, put some, you know, good CapEx into it. Uh, and it was a fully renovated property, both inside and out. And we were able to pick it up for 60 a door and the property down the street, I'm like literally down the street just traded and it was inferior to this property. And they sold that one at 70 a door. Wow. So, in theory, we have a million dollar equity built into it already, right? So yeah. you don't just get those kind of deals just straight out of the gate. I mean, you could. Uh, I would never tell you that you would never, never do it, but yeah, uh, it, it's going to take some some building, building right. of relationships and making sure that you're a proven player in the space. Correct. But, and so so now we close that deal for 60 a door, knowing that the property down the street was just sold for 70 a door. And now a property on the other side of us is under contract now for 70 a door. So I know that we're in good shape because mm -hmm. uh, we, we could probably turn around and sell that property and, and, and make a quick penny on it. Yeah. Uh, but it cash flows very well. So, you know, for us, it's, you know, we, we anticipate almost all of our holds being, you know, five year holds. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've got two deals on my desk right now that we're just, just minutes from getting awarded. And one of those deals is a 14% cash on cash. And these are not war zones, by the way, these are like, these are in good areas. And wow, uh, it's just crazy, man. Cause so, so this one is 14% and there's another one um, that's right down the street from it. It's like 11.7% cash on cash. Um, so those deals are out there, man. And people that are saying, Oh, it's not out there. It's not out there. It is. You just, you got to take time to build out your database and, you know, that's that circle of trust with these brokers. Um, you know, it don't have to be off market deals that are, you know, you sending out letters and, you know, calling moms and, and pops, yeah. these, these local deals. I and mean, you can do it. It takes time, just like building a relationship with a broker takes time. Yeah. You know? So those deals are out there, man. And yes, there are deals that are on the market that are, you know, pricey you know and we still do some of these deals that you know the the local guys may shy away from because they remember what it was 20 years ago they don't remember what it they don't see what it's becoming today you know mm -hmm. and there's they get hung up on that and that's why we're able to go into some of the markets that we're in and really get deals awarded to us is because now you know let's just say i have a brokerage shop in atlanta that i've transacted with a lot now if i wanted to to re-enter florida or Let's just say go to Dallas and start buying properties. I can have this shop in Atlanta call in a favor for me into the Dallas market to their team there and and say, hey, this guy's a closer, mm -hmm. you know, you know, help him out. And it's very real. And you just got to be able to leverage those relationships. And that's just what it's all about, man. You, you, you hear people say, oh, it's, oh, it's about who you know. And yeah. I guess that's true. It's, it's all about who you get to know. And then when you get to know somebody, 
if it's a valuable relationship, you want to nurture that relationship. Yeah, that is you said a mouthful there. Um, <laughs> that, so guys, it's still deals out here to be made. You may have to look at more deals, but it's still deals out here in mm. the markets today. Mm-hmm. Another a player who's in the field right now, finding deals left and right, closing deals. It's mm-hmm. deals out here. You just gotta, like you said, build your track record, build build relationships with the brokers, and go out there and just put in the work. Just put in right. the work. That's all you have to do. Because so, this is important because um I had a conversation with a guy uh the other day, and he was just like, Well, I'm not finding any deals from the brokers, so I'm just gonna go uh build me a list and start marketing that list and things like that. And you know, that's one way of doing it. Like you said, you can do it that way, but that takes just as much time as building mm-hmm. a relationship with the brokers. Correct. And if the brokers are finding deals consistently and constantly and they and that's what they specialize in, you might as well go and Network with the people who specialize in finding deals that you can Correct. buy. Correct. So, exactly right. I mean, look, the deals are out there. And there, there's a book that I that I read several years ago. It's a David Lindahl book um, about the four cycles of real estate and how there's always a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say it was something emerging, emerging markets or emerging real estate markets or something like that. I don't remember the exact title, yeah. but. Emerging, I think it was Emerging Markets. Emerging Markets by Dave Lindahl. It's yeah. something like, yeah, that's it. And that that's a really good book, man. Um, and, and I don't promote a lot of stuff, but I will say that, that that book will help open your eyes to realize that, hey, whether you're in Atlanta or whether you're in Nashville or Charlotte or you know Miami or, or wherever you are, there are still opportunities in the market, no matter what market you're in. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, you, you, it's what helps about having boots on the ground and knowing, you know, where certain trends are taking place in the market, what's, you know, what neighborhoods in, in Nashville are, are, are the next hipster, uh, type neighborhoods, right. Mm-hmm. It's going to help, you know, okay, well, I can go, there's probably some opportunity zones in here. Cause you hear that's kind of a buzzword that's going around right now. Yeah. Um, but you know, that kind that book that, that we're talking about, would help people realize that, hey, no matter what market I'm in, if I really know my market like the back of my hand, I'll mm-hmm. be able to, you can actually predict with some pretty good certainty uh, where things are going to go. Because at certain places, you know, you can, I mean, whether you talk about, and I can talk about Atlanta or Nashville all day, just mm-hmm. because there's certain pockets to where, you know, certain class of people have just gotten pushed out of certain markets because they can, they can no longer afford to be there. Right. And so they, you know, they have to migrate to a different part of town. And then when they get there, guess what? The same, same thing happens. <laughs> same thing happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at a certain point, it, it has to give a little bit just because you, you can't keep pushing these people around town because you're going to run out of places to push them to. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, you know, and I could probably name off several of these markets down in Atlanta that, you know, you may see some trending taking place. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, anything that's going to be long term just for mm-hmm. that reason that you, you can't you can't push people, you know, 60 miles away from the city center. Because yeah. especially they work in the city, they, they, they've got to have a housing somewhere close by that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. So but that all helps with with knowing, you know, your market and the things that are trending in those markets and why they're trending. Um 
And that that book, that that in particular book that we just mentioned by by Dave Lindahl, it's mm-hmm. it, it would definitely help. Um, that's a book I read some years ago, and you know I, I have it on my shelf. It's definitely a book that that I like to go back to from time to time. And, and I don't even know Dave, right? And yeah, I, I don't I don't think knowing Dave would even benefit me just because I, I have my my own thing going. He's got his thing going. He's a great mm-hmm. guy. I don't know him personally, but you know I, I don't get paid to promote his book or anything like that. But I use it yeah. as example to just say, hey, if you're out there, you know there are emerging markets in your market wherever you are. It, you, there, there's deals out there, but right. you can't leave it because if you walk around thinking that you're not going to find a deal, chances are you're not going to find a deal, right? But, Correct. That is but right. But if you go with that with that hunter mentality and you're determined to find something, chances are pretty high you're going to find something somehow, somewhere from someone. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned that, um, you invest in other markets as well. So Mm -hmm. what do you recommend people do if they're looking to invest, if they can't find anything in their backyard, and they're looking to go to another market after, you know, they've read the Dave Lindahl book and things like that. How do you, how do they, you know, go and not necessarily select the market, but if they don't have a track record, what do you, well, what do you recommend they do to go into another market? So if they're in Georgia and they say, Hey, I want to invest in, uh, South Carolina, Mm -hmm. what would be their first step? to go to South Carolina and say, Hey, this is what I want to do. This is my investment criteria. Put me in the game. So, you know, I would start out building a story, right? Especially if they, and they're just assuming they didn't have anything in their portfolio right now. I would build Mm -hmm. out a story and, you know, if you want to say, you know, just using Atlanta as a city center or as your, as your core, and then you kind of go out from there. And the way that I typically do that is I would look at a market that say, Anywhere within a four-hour drive, um, I would identify any of those markets just because you can get there pretty quickly. If there's ever an issue, or if you want to go check on your property, you know, four-hour drive, you can go drive it, stay there for you know several hours checking on things, and you can drive back home the same day, right? Mm-hmm. You, don't have to, you don't have to do any any overnight any overnight trips. And I do that quite a bit. Um, but whatever market you're in, you're looking at entering, let's just say you're in Atlanta, you think it's overheated, but you say, okay, I want to go in the Carolinas and, you know, let's say you want to start looking in, in, in Aiken, South Carolina, right? Which is, you know, not that far from, from Atlanta, but it's, it's in the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would contact the brokers in that particular market and say, look, it's who I am. This is what I do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm currently, you know, in position now to where it's, I'm, I'm ready to, to start building out my portfolio. I mean, you could word your story however you want to word it. I mean, it's all about how you sell it to the, to the, you know, to the broker, but I would just basically tell them like, look, I'm looking in Aiken or any of the surrounding, you know, areas around Aiken just because I want to find my deal that, that I can actually take down because Atlanta is so overpriced and I need something that's more reasonable. And you just, just build out that particular story is how I would do it. But I'll, I would also go back to the, you know, to the partner conversation to where you can obviously bring in your partner um, and you can leverage off their track record. And so now it's not just you calling, it's you calling on behalf of your group, even if your group is only one other person. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 
they know each other. Maybe they don't know each other, but as long as they have a track record, you can piggyback off that track record. So I would certainly always go back to that. But, you know, for me, for instance, to give kind of an idea of where we are. So, you know, our markets right now are Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Atlanta, and Charlotte, and really throughout the Carolinas. So for me, if you, if you were to start, if you were to, to put a pin in Chattanooga and you were to draw like a, a, a ring around, around like a two hour ring, mm-hmm. uh, you would find that I can get to any particular market from Chattanooga relatively quickly. And I, I don't live in Chattanooga, but I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. Um, you know, we just happened to build our portfolio out in the markets that we did just because we know those markets and believe me, we have our hands full just with those markets right there, just because you cannot effectively know too many markets and, and be good at it. And you right. see, see these people that, you know, they, they live in Atlanta and they want to invest in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico or Denver, Colorado. And like, why, you know how long of a flight that is? That's yeah. to me. There's a lot of downtime with, you know, being in the, in a plane and, you know, it's just cumbersome to get to. And that's one mm-hmm. where somebody is, I would just draw out, you could be a two hour, a, a two hour radius or a four hour radius, whatever, whatever your comfort zone is. I would just draw my radius out there and, and focus on whatever the hottest or the, the, the biggest market is. I mean, this is what I would do, right? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't do it, but I would focus on the biggest markets that are within that radius that I just drew. Right. Um, just because, you know, those, those particular markets are going to continue growing uh well chances are pretty high they're going to continue growing depending mm-hmm. on are um but that's how i would do it just because i don't want to spend you know that's one reason that i haven't invested yet in texas i believe in texas i believe there's still some room to grow in texas mm-hmm. but me i've got my hands full in the markets that i'm in now and as tempted as i am to reach out and start you know going after some deals in texas and i have been very tempted to do that yeah it's just too far for me um, especially when I'm still finding deals in, in Atlanta and, you know, Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Carolinas, I, I, I know those markets well, and I know those brokers well. And so for me, it's just an easier, it's just an easier acquisition because mm-hmm. I don't go through the whole sales process with entering a new market. And then, you know, then your equity partners, the whole another conversation, because yeah. if you're if your equity comes into the picture and they're going to be like, well, how many, how many deals do you own in the market? And the answer is going to be zero, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah they, don't, yep. they don't feel comfortable doing that. And so now, you know, if I get a deal awarded in, in Atlanta or in Charlotte, or, you know, you pick your market and, you know, the particular investors says, well, how many, yeah, these numbers look good, but how many deals do you own in the market? Well, mm-hmm. you can give them a number now, yeah. but I had to build that out. And the more you build, the easier it is to build just because the track record is there in the lender's eyes, in your mm-hmm. equity partner's eyes. And I, I just think that the power of partnerships is so powerful that you can leverage on that particular partner's track record. But I would, I would pick my partner very carefully because yeah. the, you, you want to make sure they have the track record or at least a track record that's stronger than yours, right? Because mm-hmm. look at it like if you go to a gym and you want to get some personal training, that per- that personal trainer better be in better shape than me. Because if they're not in better shape than me, you ain't getting my money. Right. Next. Like next. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's the same thing when you find a partner. You want to find a partner that's stronger than you. 
they're stronger than you. That you know, within they have they have a track record. They have the ability of of helping to raise, you know, I would say at least half the equity um, into a deal, uh, and then you know you fight to bring in the other half, and then you you know sign on the loan if you're able to do that, um, you know, as a, as a as a co KP or something. Um, but you may find that that's that that's just the name of your game. You want to keep doing deals with partners, and that's kind of goes back to what I said initially that. You know, I always wondered, like, when I get to the position and I, and I can sign on loans by myself, do I want to? And, right. and I don't think so. I, I think I enjoy doing things with partners so much that it just helps me sleep better at night. Because when you mm-hmm. get a deal awarded, I always start my process early on, like raising capital. Yeah. But just because I want to get a deal awarded and I want to know that equity is, is raised and committed as soon as possible. Because I'm going to tell you, I've been through a 60-day process before to where the final piece of the equity did not come in until like three days before closing. Wow. And you will certainly lose some sleep. Um, you will toss and turn at night. Your and, stomach will be in tight balls <laughs> trying to figure yeah, out if it's going to yeah, work, if it's going to fall through. I've been through that like three times. And that's why for me now, it's like I make sure that Every deal that I do that me and my partners, we we start that process early on because I want that capital committed early, just really early. I mean, to the point now, there's a deal that that we were recently awarded that uh, the partner at the table on on this particular deal. I was awarded the deal on a Monday by, by Wednesday that same week. We had all the equity raised. Wow. That's that is amazing. That's crazy, but it, look, I didn't start out that way. <laughs> Believe, yeah. and and I and I wish that I had twenty people at the table that I could do that with. But mm-hmm. the the database that we've been able to build out, you know, is a pretty attractive one. Um, but you know, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of investment. You know, it took me like uh, I, I'm a regular speaker at at a, at a pretty decent sized multifamily conference and. You know that's that's done well for me. It's the I am in the I am in multifamily conferences that that get held several times a year, um, mm-hmm. usually like three in the spring and three in the fall. So I'm a reg, a regular speaker on the, at their conference circuit, and it's done really well for me. You know we don't get paid to do it, but it's it's about exposure. And yeah. there there's been there's one that I spoke at. Matter of fact, I spoke at the first one I spoke at. Uh, I ended up finding a part partner there that you know, I've gone on to buy like 12 deals with. Um, mm-hmm. a, another guy approached me when I got off stage and said, you know, hey, do you look for other investors investing in your deals? And, you know, look, there's a lot of people out there that talk, right? So, you, you yeah. know, just kind of blow them off. Yeah, sure. I'll take your card. This mm-hmm. guy invested like over $2 million with me. Wow. Uh, in, in like in like three or four deals. And so he's 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 a real deal. There's another guy that at the at the one in in, in Orlando I spoke at uh, ended up ended up raising nine hundred thousand from him. Um, that is crazy. It is it is crazy. It, it's just it, it. But I take advantage of those opportunities. And the reason I say that is you know my wife is saying, you know, honey, you're not getting paid to go and speak at these things. I'm like, but you don't see what I'm seeing is that uh-huh. I know it's going to pay off, and and it has. It's paid off big time. Um, you know, so I would take every advantage you can of every opportunity that gets presented to you to, 
to speak at you know a, a conference or a podcast or to go to meet with someone to go have you know sit down and have coffee with them you never know what those meetings are going to turn out because mm-hmm. the philosophy that I've always had is when I'm reading a book or listening to a podcast if I get just one nugget if I get one nugget out of that entire book or that entire podcast mm-hmm. that one nugget can change everything right and so yeah. You just have to have that type of mentality. No matter what situation you're in, if you're on the phone with a broker, you got to be looking for that one nugget, you know, and, yeah. and hopes that you can take that one nugget and turn it into getting a deal awarded to you. Because um, right. just like everything in life, it, it's a sales job, and you just gotta you gotta always be selling. Just like Grant, you know, he has a book that most people know: "Sell or Be Sold." So, mm-hmm. no matter what situation you're in. You're either selling someone or someone is selling you. So yep. which is it going to be? You know? Yeah. So okay. look, it's all about execution, man. You don't have, uh, I think a lot of people, they they try to have everything figured out. And, and I get that mindset, but you can't get bogged down with that, man. You, you got to just move. Just start executing. Because that's the only thing that's going to set you apart from the next guy. Or next girl or whatever. Yeah. So Okay. So I got one more question for you. Yeah. This is the question of all questions. Uh-oh. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back, you know, from where you are now and talk to your younger self, mm-hmm. what would you say? What would you say to your younger self today? Man, I, I would have to just really what I just mentioned about execution. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just got to start knocking on doors and you just got to start executing on your plan. Um, now, you got to skill up. You know, you got to be prepared for for that moment. You can't just start knocking on doors and, you know, trying to raise money because I, I tried to do that initially. Just I was reading these Tony Robbins books and I was just so fired up, man. I just started going to like these people I knew in town that had money and they, hey, you know, you want to invest in this in this property with it, but I was trying to find some <laughs> house with the flip and things like that. Yeah. You know, which I had the drive, I just didn't yet have the skill set. And so for me, it's it's skill up to scale out. Skill up to scale out. That is dope. <laughs> that is that is that is a nice one. You know, but it's but if you think about it, it's real, right? And because if let's just say you did entice somebody and then you're like, crap, now what? And then you know, you may not know all the proper steps to take and maybe you lose their money. And then guess what? Not only are they never going to invest with you, now you can have a bad name in the, in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I was working for Grant, I lived in downtown uh, West Palm Beach and our office was in North Miami Beach. So it was an hour and a half commute that I did each way every day. Wow. So what I did is I, I got my hands on every audiobook. I got my hands on every podcast and I was just like, just saturating my mind with just all this material. And then when I got home, I would sit on my, you know, sit on our balcony uh, at night for like an hour and I would read and I would just, I was just skilling up and the same yeah. thing on the weekends. I would spend a couple hours on the weekends, sit, sit on the porch and, and just, just reading. I, I went and bought these college textbooks for, uh, commercial real estate investment and analysis or something like that. It was like a, yeah. an $80 book and it was probably 400 pages. Um, but I would just dig into that. When I wasn't digging into that, I'd be underwriting deals. And, you know, you hear different people talk about, 
you know, like Grant, you'll hear him mention that you got to underwrite a lot of deals, and, and mm-hmm. we do. I mean, we we underwrite a lot of properties, and you know, you may get one out of ten that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, and then you guys got to go after it. But at the end of the day, it's like you got to know when you're underwriting these deals, you become so good at it that you can just look at a deal on the fly and really just be able to scan through the numbers and know if it's going to work or not. You can just do napkin math, uh, napkin math on it. Um, so for me, it's like, I mean, if I could go back and tell myself, I would just skill up to scale out and then execute like a madman. Just, and don't, and don't be afraid. You're going to get, you're going to get some no's. You got, you got to be resilient. You got, you get, you just got to build that. You got to become callous in a sense to the point to where someone saying no, I'm just one step closer to my yes. Right. And so you just got to just keep talking, keep talking, because at the end of the day, it's just going to serve to refine you and you refine your pitch because you may find maybe it's my pitch and you don't set. And then every deal that you pitch from then on, you're just going to get better and better and better and better at it, man. It's just like the first video, you know, I wouldn't say a first video, but video that I just did on, on LinkedIn not too long ago, a few days ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I'm not on camera a lot. So I'm like a little bit nervous. Right. And so right. it's like it was hard to do that video. It really was. But now I did that video. Now I'm, I want to do like 10 more and I want to do them all today. Yeah. Right? So now you just become hungry and now you see, yeah, I'm going to do this. And, and, and you got to critique yourself. You got to watch a video, but don't critique yourself to the point to where you don't put the video out. Because yeah. at some point, you just got to you you just got to be real with your with your vulnerability and say, "Look, this is my first video, and I may not be perfect on this video, but it's my first video, and there's mm-hmm. videos, right? Because if you over critique it, you're never going to release anything. And I think there's a lot of people out there, even people that that have achieved a lot more than I have achieved, they're afraid to do a video or they're afraid to to you know write a book or 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 ebook or whatever. Right. Um, white paper because they're afraid of what people are going to think about them. It's like you just got to move, man. Just just start executing. Like, you don't have to worry about what people think. They're not perfect either, right? right? We're all yeah. in this together. We're all trying to grow and get where where we're trying to, you know, where we're trying to go. It depends on mm-hmm. you know what your what your goal is. And you know, for me, you know, I'm I'm driven on you know building my net worth to a certain to a certain place. You know, right. somebody else may have a different type of goal. And it may end up being the same math for the next person, but at the end of the day, it's like my goal is uh, achieving uh, a certain net worth and a certain cash flow every month. Somebody mm-hmm. else may have something completely different, and that's okay. Where can people connect with you, find you, uh, invest with you, find properties for you? How can people connect with you? Yeah, sure. So you know, our website is inmanequities.com. It's I N M A N equities, it's plural.com. Uh, you can, my email address is the letter B, and then my last name is Inman at inmanequities.com. Uh, you can call or text my cell. This is my, my personal cell phone, it is uh, 615 area code 513 3088. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I get people that contact us all the time, you know, asking if they can invest with us, and the answer is yes. I mean, we we put people on our distribution list and just like every deal that we do every deal is available on a first come first serve basis so the first capital to commit is the first capital that wins um you know we've got we've got people that put in 25 50 100 
500, a million, you know, in, into the deals that we do. So, you know, these deals can fill up pretty quickly, but, you know, we typically offer, you know, an 8% preferred return and, and target around the 18 to 20% on the IRR for the, for the investor. I will, I will say that most of our deals pencil better than that. Most of them pencil to around 22 to 24% on the IRR, but we don't promote that. We promote 18 to 20 just because, you know, you want to under promise and over deliver versus the other way around. Um, you know, number one, number two is I don't want to, you know, promote a 22 to 24% IRR because then investors start looking for that in every single deal. And it's just not realistic. It's kind of an anomaly to the, you know, to mm. typical deals that you get awarded. But thankfully for us, we have several of those deals, uh, on our, on our desk right now, deals that, that we have, um, already under contract or deals that we've recently closed on or deals that we are, uh, in the process of getting awarded. So we do have those deals and those opportunities mm. available. So, you know, we let people in, but we'll look at deals. If they're real deals, we'll look at them. You know, we welcome partners. Um, so, I mean, look, we're, we're pretty easy to get in contact with, you know, sometimes we take someone reaching out to us a few times to get, you know, some immediate feedback, but we typically try to get back to people within 24 hours because we mm -hmm. have, a, we have a lot going on over here, but at the end of the day, it's, we do try to get back with everybody to at least give them some type of feedback because, you know, I want to respect everybody's time. Um, I never want to just not respond to somebody. Yeah. That is big. That is big. Well, Mr. Inman, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing your knowledge with us and just dropping bombs left and right <laughs> and being a living example of somebody who's out here doing deals every single day and somebody who's always on the hunt and who's got their mind and their eyes on the prize and they're not stopping until they get, you know, what they achieve. And you're like living proof of that. So I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and share that. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy just giving back and, and encouraging people. So I, I hope, you know, my whole goal is this, if, if one person is benefited from that information, then I'd be happy. Here are some action steps. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you rate, subscribe, and leave a review of this podcast and the reason this is important because i want your feedback i want to make it better if you can leave a five-star review awesome if you have to leave a one-star review that's awesome too but at least i know how you're feeling and at least i know how to get better at it so make sure you rate subscribe and review leave a review for this podcast and if you haven't done so yet make sure you get into the brand new multi-family mondays podcast group on facebook just go to facebook type in multifamily mondays podcast and you will see the group make sure you join and connect with your fellow multifamily mondayers and follow us on instagram at multifamily mondays and if you haven't done so yet make sure you follow my personal page that's roderick moneyman jones that's r-o-d-d-r-i-c-k moneyman jones on instagram and remember, it may be Tuesday, it may be Thursday, and it may be Friday, but it's always Multifamily Mondays. I'll see you on the next episode.